We're going to be talking tonight about God's fruitfulness. And I, I just, even before I start, I just, in the worship, I'm just like, you know what? God's heart for us is that we would be fruitful, that you would be fruitful. That's what God's heart is for us. And you know what? If we are joined to him, we can't help but not be fruitful because he is a fruitful vine. He is fruitful. Everything he does is fruitful. Nothing that he actually ever does doesn't work out. (laughs) Yeah. Everything he does just explodes with fruitfulness. And if we're joined to him, then actually that fruitfulness that's in him comes right into us like kind of lifeblood that kind of surges through us and it produces fruit. Isn't that exciting? Yeah? And we're talking, we're doing a series um, over these afternoons and evenings, uh, looking at the kind of I am passages, um, particularly in John. And um, I want to start off by just asking you a question. How do we show ourselves to be Jesus' disciples? How do we show ourselves to be Jesus' disciples? Our lifestyles? Question mark. Our behavior, our integrity. Well, Jesus is very clear on this point in John 15, which is where we're going. Uh, And he says, well, no, it's actually through bearing much fruit. Through bearing much fruit. I know you're going to say, well, what exactly does that mean, Matthew? Uh, So let's, let's just read it, first of all. I'm uh, just going to read the first um, uh, eight, is it? eight verses, okay, uh, out of John 15. Follow me through behind me. Yep, okay. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Hear that? You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Yeah? direct link between showing yourselves to be my disciples and bearing much fruit for him. This is the last one, not in our series, but in in the Gospel of John, of the kind of I am 
passages where Jesus is saying, I am this and I am that. And this is the last one recorded in John. And Jesus starts off by saying, I am the true vine. Why true vine? Well, we need to look back at obviously a vine that wasn't so true, (laughs) basically. Um, And we look back into the Old Testament. And I'm going to do a bit Old Testament tonight, okay? Just to kind of give us something that actually maybe you haven't seen before out of this passage. This is a very well-known passage, okay? Uh, But I think it's helpful to see that the imagery of a vine is used a lot in the Bible, okay? Jesus didn't just come up with this idea. This was something that had been well used throughout the Bible. But it always referred to Israel, God's people, okay? It was God's chosen people that were this vine. And invariably, they were not producing a great amount of fruit. Uh, Invariably, it was something to do with the fact that, actually, I don't find fruit here. Um, And clearly, Yahweh required fruit from them. That's what he was looking for. Just like Jesus was saying, and this is my Father's glory, that actually you bear much fruit. So, So in the... In the Old Testament, he's saying, my people, trouble is you're not bearing good fruit. We want to bear good fruit, don't we? Yeah? Give me a nod. We can, we can nod, okay? <laughs> Even with the mask, you can nod, right? Uh, I'm trying to look at things that you can participate in, okay? We'll get you clapping, waving, all sorts of stuff, yeah, okay. Um, so we're going to look at, we're going to dive straight into Psalm 80, okay? Um, And we're going to see how, I mean, this is, it almost is just plucked straight out of John 15. Once you read Psalm 80, you'll go, whoa. Okay, here we go. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it, verse 8. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and it filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached out as far as the sea, its shoot as far as the rivers. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, insects from the field feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see, watch over this vine, the root Your right hand has planted the sun you raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It's burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. The image here is of Israel as a vine transplanted from Egypt. Okay, we understand that. But it was then sort of casually picked by the nations, taking advantage of it. And eventually it was cut down, taken into captivity, cut down, burned by fire as it was unfruitful. Ezekiel 15, which I'm not going to read out, but also has vine imagery. And Ezekiel, one of the prophets that's kind of speaking into the time of exile, and he predicts that 
Israel, God's people living in Jerusalem, will be like a vine thrown into the fire and useless for anything. God even setting his face against her because of her unfaithfulness. So we see Jesus springs out with, I am the true vine. That's how he starts. I am the true vine. He is the one who will produce fruit. He will produce fruit. And he's saying, I'm, I'm going to produce fruit to bring glory to my Father. Jesus can't not produce good fruit. That's just in who he is. He just, he just oozes fruitfulness. And it's a kind of wonderful part of that. Uh, we see that there's a kind of a, a superseding of Israel in Christ. It's not replacement theology, by the way. Sometimes I've heard people talk about replacement theology. Israel was always, this was always meant to be pointing towards the sun. This was always about, no, the real one is coming. The true vine is coming. The sun is coming. The one who is faithful, who, who there is no sin in him, who lives his whole life to please God, is coming. It was always pointing that way. He is, as he calls himself, he is the son of man. And we see that, we see it true of the temple, which always, it pointed to Jesus, didn't it? It was, it was, it was just there for a time. The, the, the mighty temple that they saw is where God dwells in his being. He dwells in the temple. But it was always pointing at Jesus. No, no, it was actually God was actually pointing at the son coming to live on earth, God dwelling in him. And another interesting thing about this passage is that unlike all the other I am passages, it goes on to include the father's role. So it doesn't just say, and this is who I am, but it then says, and this is who my father is. The others don't say that. So it helps us know what kind of relationship there is between the Father and the Son. Yeah? So, my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. So he does two things, and they're not the same thing. Sometimes we read it and we kind of, we sort of join the two things. We kind of make it, oh yeah, pruning is about pruning off the dead wood. It, it's actually not. There's the cutting off the dead wood and there's also pruning the good wood, which is the green wood that has actually got life in it. The dead wood hasn't got life in it. The green wood has got life in it. And these are two different processes. But what we see here, I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a moment, um, what we see here is that Jesus is kind of, there's a subservience on Jesus' part. He's saying, you know what? I'm just the vine. My father is the gardener. My father is the one who I submit to. And he comes and he's the one who does that role. Yeah? We see it, a well-known passage in John 5, 19. He says, truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Jesus 
makes himself submissive to the Father. The Father is the gardener. The Father is the one who comes. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just divine. And actually, he submits himself to the Father. Submitting is good. That's what we do when we come to Christ. We submit. We say, I'm submitting to you, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, and I'm submitting to the Father. Yeah? But we see that kind of wrapped up. We see it come out here. The branches have no life in themselves. Once separated from the vine, they die off. They can't bear any fruit. But you know what? The amazing thing, and it is an amazing thing, is that Jesus restricts himself to saying, and all the fruit I'm bearing, I am going to bear through my church, the branches. All the fruit that Jesus is bearing over all time has been through the church. It's through his people that he bears that fruit. Yeah. Now, cut off from Jesus, we die off. We become dead branches. We can bear no fruit of ourselves. But there's this kind of interplay between Jesus and the church where Jesus is saying, actually, the fruit that I bear for my Father, I am bearing through my people, the church of God, those people who love me and know me. Isn't that an amazing thing? Jesus has chosen to demonstrate God's glory throughout planet Earth through his people. As you know, I like a bit of gardening myself. Um, although I've got to say, not many, if you, if you ask me and say, well, it's people that ask me sometimes, they, they start, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many fruit trees have you got? Not, not a lot. I've got... A couple of apple trees, uh, some gooseberries, uh, the odd raspberry and blackcurrant and things like that. But, but, and, and rhubarb. I did have rhubarb. Yeah, that was good um, this year. Uh, but basically, I love flowers, okay? And this principle is somewhat similar. Um, so to produce a, a real lot of fruit, okay, I really need to cut back the stems. Now, I need to do two things. I need to cut off the dead wood. Because basically, the dead wood is brown, yeah? Uh, the dead wood, as you can see in the picture, it's just, it, it, the dead wood needs to be kind of chopped out, and it, it, I could leave it three years. It's never going to get life back in it again. It's always going to stay dead. It doesn't sort of suddenly revive itself. It stays dead. It's just clogging up the rose or whatever it is from, from all the other lively branches. It's kind of in the way. So it actually stops it. And you need to chop that out. But also, I need to chop down the green wood because then I'm going to see all these other branches. Out of one branch comes whoop, 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 all these other branches and all these other flowers. So if I want, and it's still, I've still got roses flowering now. It's kind of you know, into mid-October, um, which is you know, all season. So that's partly just, just chopping and chopping and keep kind of cutting off and kind of doing that. Uh, and it actually produces a lot. So, so it's absolutely, you know, what they're saying happens. Um, it, maybe for you, it's more like the human body. Okay? If you know you you know, if you, if you restrict the blood flow, if you, you know, if you put a tourniquet around, you leave it too long, you're going to end up where 
bits are going to die off because actually you need blood into that part, yeah? Now I'm going to get a bit gory here, so if you're a bit squeamish, um, maybe you want to kind of like put your fingers in your ears or something. But anyway, uh, so my granddaughter, okay, who is kind of just turned 19, okay, she went on a holiday last year uh, to Norway, Okay, so she shot off to Norway to do some snowboarding or something. Okay, she's a student over in Glasgow. And um, she shot over there, and uh, she's kind of a bit, a bit wild about these kind of things, and ended up um, doing in her thumb. And um, so she got back home, and um, she just thought, oh, it'll be all right. It'll sort itself out. It'll be okay. You know, give it a couple of weeks. It'll be fine. Well, eventually... Anne and I and her mum sort of badgering and saying, you've really got to, you've got to go along to the doctors. You can't just leave it. You know, you, you, it's not working properly. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So eventually she goes. They say, no, no, what, what you've done is you've, the tendon is actually caught in the bone. So you've actually squeezed the tendon and for, for two weeks you haven't had any, you haven't had any blood going into that tendon. And it, is dead. It's not like, it's not going to revive again. You've killed it. Like, you've killed the tendon in your thumb. Like, ah! And they said, well, you know, what we've got to do, bit, bit of medical knowledge here. I, I didn't know this beforehand. Uh, what you've got to do is that actually in your index finger, you've got two tendons. So we're going to take one of those tendons out and we're going to stick it across onto the thumb to make the thumb work. And, you know, and we're going to, but you're then going to have just one tendon on your index finger. So that's what they did. Needless to say, she's now off skateboarding again and doing all the other stuff, you know, uh, until the next accident. So, uh, <laughs> so the moral of the story is don't leave things, okay? Don't leave things. Some things just die off. If you just leave them, you can't just leave them and think, oh, well, it'll be all right. It'll be okay. Jesus was really saying to, spiritual, to, to Israel, You're spirit many of you are just spiritually dead. You need to see you need God in you. We need to see. You can't just say, oh, well, I think I'll just leave church until another stage of my life when I've got maybe more time and I'll kind of pick it up later. Sometimes it just dies off. There's a real sense, there's a real strong sense here, not only in this passage but in those other passages I read you, of actually we re it's really urgent to make sure we keep the lifeblood going. And part of that is not only reading your Bible and worshiping and connecting with God, but connecting with his people as well. So well done for being here tonight. That's what I want to say to you, okay? Because it's really important. Um, we need to keep the, life, the lifeblood going. We need to keep connected well. And the next thing, the, the second thing I want to say about it is that in terms of there, there are seasons in our life where God prunes us. There's seasons where we produce a lot of fruit and there's seasons when we kind of think, oh, I, I seem to be kind of like in a bit of a kind of cutting back time. Um, and that's kind of what's, what's often weird I've found over my many years is that other people I know well sort of, they seem to be incredibly fruitful at that point, and I feel like I'm being sort of cut back, and you kind of like, you feel, oh my gosh. But actually, you've got to think, you know what? God is at work in my life. 
because he knows what he's doing and he wants to produce more fruit. I, I want to say this. Often when we read scripture, we think about it very personally, very individually, that's what I mean. We live, we live in a culture which is very individual, okay? Meaning, how can I maximize my life? How can I, you know, reach my full potential? All those kind of things. It's all about me, me and my potential and my fulfillment and my, you know. And actually, what we see a lot in the Bible is actually about the community. It's about how we how we, how the church, how the body of Christ. We aren't just individuals, just individually growing. We're part of a large bush called the vine of God. We're not just a branch. We're part of a whole tree here. Yeah? And it's important. So when we talk about fruitfulness and pruning, we're not just talking about how can I be more fruitful, but also how can we be more fruitful? How can we, here, how can we kings be more fruitful? Yeah? And I kind of, I, 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 I kind of want to throw it out to you, Abinu. Even it's kind of stopping right now. Just, I, want to, I want to just throw it out to you. Okay? How, how, can we, how can we be more fruitful? So I, I don't want it just to be individual. I want it to be us together. Because it's about us helping one another to be fruitful together. Okay? And that might mean saying, you know what? I'm going to look after your... I'm going to do some babysitting if you want in order that you could go to that. Because I know at the moment that's more difficult. Yeah? How can I, how can I help you because actually you've got a stage of your life where you're really busy and maybe you're just too busy doing, looking after a sick relative or something. How can I help you to be more fruitful in that? Could I help out with food? Could I serve you in some way? It's about helping one another. It's not just about, God's not going to say to us, well, how were you fruitful? But it's also about how were we? How did you live your life so that it would produce a lot of fruit. Yeah? Do you know, I'm just going to tell you a very personal thing. One of the things that just brings me probably the one of the most pleasure, my daughter was asking me last night, one of the things that brings me the most pleasure, I just look out, I look out, I look out at Kings, I look out at Kings West Lothian, I look out at City Church, Newcastle, all that I was kind of involved in, kind of helping to plant. And I see all these people growing. But some of them don't, don't even know me. You know, I can walk back to City Church, they don't even know me. But I kind of, I think, you know what? It's amazing. Actually, I was doing something. God was calling me at a time where I was doing something which actually then has produced kind of generation after generation of fruitfulness in people's lives. And it's about saying, God, I just thank you, God, that I held on to you. I thank you, God, that I was actually part of this vine. I thank you, God, that actually it's about persevering and remaining in him. 
Because, and I want to say this thing I started with, and I want to finish on it. If we remain in him, we can't not produce fruit. So I was thinking, how, how are we going to make this grow? How are we going to, you know, how, actually, just by remaining in Christ. Because actually, just by remaining in Christ, he, he is just, fruitfulness just comes. I don't have to worry about my roses. If I know they're good roses, I just plant them. I just have to know there's a certain amount of light, certain amount of water, and the rest will actually happen itself. I don't have to kind of crank it up or anything. I don't have to kind of turn a handle. I just, it produces. Wow, look at that. Wonderful. And that's what it is like for Christ and the church. It produces fruitfulness. Maybe, Dara, you could come back up. to we have a bit more worship just to finish us with. Um, so wrapping up. Jesus is the true vine and will always produce fruit for his Father's glory. We can't produce anything unless we are intimately connected to Christ. Not just at some earlier point in our life. Not just, it's not good enough to say, yeah, there was a time I was really running with God. There was a time when I came to Christ, it was just amazing. Yeah, but what about now? If you're in a place, it's got to be continuous present, right? It's got to be ongoing. I'm ongoing. I am connecting, ongoing. If this has never happened to you in terms of saying, well, actually, I, I don't know personally whether I have had that place where Jesus r- remains in me, because that's what he says in this. So I will remain in you. Well, I'm not sure if he is in me. Do you know what? You need to go on an alpha course. Because you need to know Christ. Because he wants to, he wants to, to come into you and then remain in you. Because that is what's going to produce life in your life. And then finally, don't leave it. Make sure you reconnect with the life of God. Plug into small groups, okay, that we have every week at different nights of the week. Even though it's, I I know it's really hard right now. But ring someone up, you know, in church. Chat through what's going on in your life. Don't just leave yourself to kind of go brown. (laughs) Yeah? Make sure you continue to have life in you.